Hello and welcome to the Politics of Peterborough, the podcast where we chat with the people who have been elected to make decisions about our city and those who try to influence them. I'm your host, Dave Adcock. Looking forward, in February, my guest will be leader of the Peterborough Liberal Democrats group, Councillor Christian Hogg, and in March, it'll be Green Councillor Heather Skibstead. In April, I'm hoping to do something a little bit different with a roundtable discussion focused on the 2024 elections. As always, if you have any questions that you'd like me to ask, or any suggestions as to who you'd like to listen to on a future episode of the podcast, you can get in touch via X or Facebook at politicspboro, or send an email to politics.peterborough at hotmail.com. On with the show. My guest for this episode was born in Northumberland before heading south to train as a doctor. For the last 18 years, he's worked as a consultant paediatrician for the North West Anglia NHS Foundation Trust and first stood for election in 2012 to Huntingdonshire District Council, coming third. Another eight attempts were needed, including coming second in the 2015 and 2017 general elections in Huntingdon before he was elected in the St Neots East Ward in 2018. He was then selected as the Labour Party's candidate for the Cambridgeshire and Peterborough Combined Authority in 2021, mayoral election, where he defeated Conservative incumbent James Palmer after the second round. Mayor Dr Nick Johnson, welcome to the politics of Peterborough. Uh, well, thank you, Dave. It's uh, nice to be uh, go back over my history there. Now, it's... Uh, nearly a year since you returned to work, having uh, had to take a medical leave of absence. So first things first, how are you now? Um, Well, from the point of view of uh, my medical leave, which was obviously a a big event for the combined authority, as well as me personally, in terms of having to have cardiac surgery and and recuperate from that. No, no, nine months, uh, I came back around March last year. And so I've moved uh, on and I've been essentially signed off. So I'm very grateful for the very good people of the NHS, particularly Pat with uh, my GP and all those things. So I'm, I'm thinking, unfortunately, and you can maybe hear in my voice, um, I, like many people over the Christmas period, I've succumbed to a couple of winter viruses. But um, this is my first face-to-face meeting of the new year. I'm ready for 2024. Now, as I said in the introduction, you grew up much further north than we are now. Was that a particularly political household? Uh, in very simple terms, no. Um, I've, I've talked about you know where I became inspired by politics, and I think uh, one of the things I've always said to anybody who's asked my um, opinion, I said two things that you need to do is make sure that you listen to the Today program on Radio Four, and and make sure at an early age you start reading Private Eye. I still remember the day that my dad got a, a copy of this magazine, and I and, and I remember the actual uh, actual uh, the, the, the version of that it was, and I. Took took an interest in it and then although at the time I just took an interest in the cartoons over the course of time understanding that politics was a two three four five sided many views and then understanding some of the language of politics I found it always a way that I got in add to that when I went into school my dad always put radio four on rather than listening to Bruno Brooks on radio one or something like that or Peter Powell um, it was a case of um, that's how my politics came, and I grew up in the northeast. Although actually, my seat, uh, Hexham, is a, is a conservative, traditional conservative seat. I think it's fair to say it's it's probably what you would call a red wall area, or it certainly was. Um, and I I would go as far to say that I, I think I come from a, a socialist background, of which I'm very proud. Um, socialist and cooperative to be in my my family uh, have uh, come from the cooperative line, worked within the cooperative company. Um, so socialism, labour movement, corporate cooperative, they're part of my DNA. Um, and it doesn't matter if you come from the north or if you then move to the south; those things tend to stick. <laughs> 
What was it that kept you down south after completing your medical training? Well, I quite like it here, to be honest. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm well travelled. Uh, you know, you, to some extent, like many people, doesn't matter what your job do, you follow job opportunities as they came. Um, I spent a lot. I, mean, I trained in London up to 1993, so I left the northeast literally, uh, sort of six days after I turned 18, and I'm backwards and forwards up the A1. And thank God for road improvements. That journey's been made a lot easier over the last 20, 30 years. But. Um, I, um, I found that I liked living in London for almost 20 years. And then, uh, you know, the real brains of the outfit in my household is my wife, who she got a job at Addenbrooke, so that took us up to Cambridgeshire. And I was lucky enough to be um, get, get a job and finish off my training as a children's doctor in sort of uh, Huntingtonshire and, and get a job here. It, it, it's, you know, serendipity. It's, you know, sometimes... You don't doesn't pay to plan too much, and you know, and and, and one of the benefits of working in within healthcare, although there are many challenges, is that there's always a job somewhere because people need um, nurses, radiologists, doctors, porters. You know, if you want to work in healthcare, in social care, you can find a job. As someone in what I imagine is a high pressure, stressful job, what was it that wanted you or made you want to put yourself forward as a politician? One of the roles I, at the latest stages of becoming a doctor, I mean, I, I love, I still do enjoy being a doctor. You know, there's, a, there's, the, there's the intellectual challenge, there's the, there's the fun of working within an, an, a, a community, the NHS family, which gives a lot uh, in terms of uh, satisfaction. There were, as we know, speaking about doctor strikes at the moment, strikes throughout the other, and the challenges around lack of investment, you know, they, they bring huge challenges. But that environment was always one that was very positive for me and I began to realise as I became more uh, specialist that and, and, and took on more senior roles that actually people looked to me um, not only to make the decision about a diagnosis but they also looked for other support and it could be advice around housing, advice around education and, and, and much further, you know. And, uh, and you know, you, the, the really important thing I realised possibly belatedly in my medical career was... Um, it didn't matter how good the medicine I prescribed was, or indeed how how good a diagnost, you know, diagnostics I was, or whatever. That doesn't really, really make the biggest difference in people's lives in regard to their health. The thing that makes the biggest difference are things like poverty. If you live in poor quality housing, the asthma that the doctor's trying to improve will never improve because the fungal spores that come from the damp that you are dealing with on a day-to-day basis is not going to go away. And your health problems won't go away. So as a doctor, I started being frustrated by that and looked to how would I intervene and how to make better improvements to my patients' lives by taking a more advocating role. And and I found maybe an obvious place, I don't know, people might say differently, but for my politics and what I, the messaging sits very comfortably within the sort of the Labour and Cooperative Party. I mentioned previously that it took nine attempts before you were first elected. What made you kept or keep putting yourself forward? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm persistent. Uh, I I think you learn along the way about um, how how to campaign. Um, I think if you look back at that record, which uh, I, you know, sometimes when you think, God, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let it lie. There's something from the northeast, isn't there? Um, it was a it was a thing, you know, there was always improvements, you know, there was always a sense of, you know, if once you start on this journey, you want to finish it, 
I often get asked, you know, would you, in, the, in this coming year, are you going to stand, stand again for Parliament? And I've made it clear that my, um, I found my position now. I'm an elected politician alongside my medical job, and, uh, and, I, and I, I'm here now to serve the people of Cambridge and Peterborough. And uh, so that's not, although that's a, an itch that you sometimes think, oh, I, I still think I would make a, you know, hopefully it doesn't sound too big-headed, I think I would be a good local MP and you know it, when I used to stand, I used to talk about and think what well, I would love to be the you know Secretary of State for Health, but that's that's another place. And so I, I'm, I'm ambitious, you know, and to a point, you know. But and if you really want to make changes, you know, you don't give up. So um, yeah, I took a lot of goes, but you know, if if it, if it all ended tomorrow, ended at, you know the end of my term of office now, which I, I certainly hope it doesn't, you know, I, I I can look at my kids and say, look, I. I went out there, I stood up for the young, I stood up for the dispossessed, I stood up for the environment, and you know, and, and that empowers me to want to do better things. Now you've stood in district council, county council, general election, and obviously the mayoral election. Which of those was your favourite and which was the most difficult? <laughs> I, well, it would be one of two. Um, I think, you know, success <laughs> tends to bring... Things. I think... So the success of the district council election at St. Neots East and, and recognising that actually all this effort is worthwhile, working with the people that were alongside at the time, working with my the, the friends from the Huntingdon constituency at the time. I think probably that would be my the, the, my favourite, you know, because that it, it, well, we've done it. The mayoral thing, I think I probably didn't even get a chance to really celebrate in the way I would like to because actually it had such a... Uh, a, a changing effect on my my life that I, I had to balance up so many other things that the, that actually God I really have gone and done it now as my wife jokingly I think it's jokingly says he says he was never meant to win it you know you know that you know I, I I always knew that if you campaign in the right way and if you appeal and you talk about things like oh this I've often talked about the three C's, about if you bring compassion, cooperation, and you build for the community the three C's, it's a message that can cut across traditional party lines. And I still think that can deliver, and I hopefully will in the future. So, yes, no, I'd, I'd go back to winning my first district council election, and then, as a third thing, was running in the general election in 2000, and, uh, well, 2015 was the first time, 2017 I was even more successful. I've enjoyed them all, but uh, first election as district councillor. You kind of said there that your wife said you, you weren't expected to win mm-hmm. the mayoral race. What were your expectations when you went into it? Oh, no, I, 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 so, so my absolute expectation with the team I was working around at the time was, you know, you know get into second place and you've got a chance. Um, I think, I, and I've made this as on, as on record, the thing about being the mayor for Cambridge and Peterborough is not only working with the leaders from the be it Peterborough City Council or constituent members from Fenland, East Cambridgeshire, South Cambridgeshire, Cambridge City, is that we've moved into a very interesting political soup in the local area. I think, you know, what's happening here in Cambridge and Peterborough could be almost, dare I say, revolutionary for the whole of the United Kingdom. Um, and it, once you understand the benefits which I now do even more so than I would say this, I'm the mayor, of devolution and the benefits that you can take the best from all these different areas across political parties and work together and deliver more things. Well, uh, and for the benefit of all, it, it kind of starts to make real sense to me going forward. Sorry, I, I've got off the question again. Can you remember what the question is again? Sort of a... 
what your expectations were. So, so, so my expectations of the actual getting. I, sorry, I, I did digress there. I apologise. Um, I, I, I always knew that if you could get into people, and one of the things was that once that you got into second place, and the one thing that I didn't know at the time, but I realise now that uh, because I'm I am a, a, an advocate for it, is uh, more enlightened forms of political. Uh, representation in terms of PR and, se- and obviously the mayoral vote when I was elected was second preference um, generally I would think it's fair to say that those who are in uh, who voted Liberal Democrat uh, I think in the total of all the Liberal Democrat vote 90% of them that were then expressed a second preference came to me um, that was enough to sort of get me over the line and what I hadn't really completely um, in, in sort of planning for the election was how much people would use their second preference. It's interesting because in the campaign, I remember, I mean, we were having a uh, an interview done by television at the time and James, as the mayor, was desperate to stop people using their second preferences. Um, I can understand why now, but I am always very grateful for those people who maybe didn't see me as the perfect candidate but accepted that Actually, it's a second preference. Having Mayor Dr. Nick Johnson, a, a Labour and Cooperative Mayor, was a acceptable alternative rather than a continuation of what gone before. So I, I think you know that hopefully is borne out by my willingness and 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 an absolute recognition that it's be, beholden on me not just to work with those people who voted for me, but also for those uh, people who represent other political parties, particularly the Liberal Democrats, and indeed be they in Peterborough, the Peterborough First, and the Conservative groups, be that in Fenland and also in uh, East Cambridgeshire. Um, ultimately, I think that's what I was trying to get when I was getting diverse, is the idea of that cross-party working at a devolved level for local government is a very powerful voice, one that works I should say, very well in the West Midlands with Andy Street and also works very well, Andy Street had been a Conservative Metro Mayor, but then also the other Andy, in Andy Burnham in Greater Manchester, where he, where he can work across the areas and across parties to deliver real improvements. I think that's, you know, they're the trailblazers, we're, they're, we're fast on their heels now. Now, am I right in thinking that the voting style has changed for the the next mayoral election it's moved back to first past the post yes yeah i mean i you know i you know i could try and say it's a deliberate ploy by the current in um current government to stop mayor dr nick johnson having an easy ride to get back into power well no they they changed that also i think for police and crime commissioners it is of note i think i'm one of the very very few that has been elected um, I mean, when they've had second preference, it's not unusual for people not to get enough votes on the first thing. But very few circumstances ever happened where the second preference has then come in and it's actually changed the initial result. Um, yeah, they didn't want me. They didn't want me to um, win again. So I, I guess that's it's beholden on me going out to the. In May 2025, assuming I'm selected, I, I, I can't uh, be sure of that. You know, um, the, the, the Labour Party to they may not feel I'm the right person to represent them going forward. So, I um, I hope that I hope I am. Um, but if I do get that, I'll stand again, and uh, I'll just have to um, hopefully appeal to more people across all political, traditional political, and demonstrating that actually in the last four years, what what a, what a what Mayor Dr Nick has done. What would you say your current political ambitions are? Have you met everything you wanted to achieve? Oh, uh, no. I mean, there's, there's, I think, you know, I know you've talked about things that you might want to talk. I think one of, 
one of the things I have achieved is that I've, I've improved the combined authority. The combined authority I walked into had its significant challenges, and I was challenged by that. I'm the first to admit that, and I had difficulties coming into this organisation. Real problems around uh, issues of governance, um, decision-making, trying to kind of have a collaborative approach. Um, we, we needed help. We needed help. I was grateful and remain grateful for the input that we have around the, our improvement board. The change at a senior level around officers and has been revolutionary in bringing in real ambition, real kind of razor sharp focus on getting things right, and you know things like a single assurance framework that is you know the. That is, there's a, that is an exemplar for all um, uh, combined authorities. It's something I'm very proud of, working alongside not just the officers, but also along the other board members. So, unfortunately, that's a very dry subject. That doesn't really float people's boat. But for me, this year is, and, and it's out there now, and you know anybody listening to the podcast, I'd say, please make sure you go to our website and you'll get a pop-up page that asks you directly, what do you want to do? about your local, um, particularly public transport, but we real focus on the bus network. We have moved heaven and earth to push on in terms of delivering you know, a, a network review which kind of is not just value for money but in, and, and demonstrating, we have to be able to demonstrate that, but also is, is socially responsible. Looking at that at how where we've, where we've had funding from central government about bus service improvements and then actually delivering what I say is real bus reform and there's no secret about it i pushed about the importance of and i use a phrase here very cautiously taking back control but if taking back control of the buses means franchising past something that's called an enhanced partnership you know then that's something that i'm really pleased that going into the new year all the mood music coming out of the independent processes that are moving towards decisions at our board meeting at the end of the year end of the month and hopefully working with um, constituent members to, to to go out to sort of further consultation moving that on I'm, I'm not i'm not promising that you all of a sudden we're going to go back to the 1970s and 60s where there were eastern counties buses running everywhere but what i'm trying to kind of uh, demonstrate is that local government here in terms of the combined authority with the with the powers that are that are we are able to enact as a mayor and as a combined authority about bringing bus service uh, reviews in, and improvements um, and, and franchising, as is being mirrored currently up in the northwest, um, is something I'm hoping to see very, very quickly this year. Now, as you mentioned there, you had a challenging time when you first started with the uh, combined authority. In the last couple of months, a report determined that you had, quote, breached the member's code regarding civility and dis uh, repute, end quote. You apologised to those who complained, but should members of the organisation and the public be worried that these weren't isolated incidents and may happen again in the future? I, well, yes, it's one of the difficult times for, the, for me on a personal level, but also, I think, for the combined authority. Um, Within what I'm able to kind of, and unfortunately these things are often couched in the need to be respectful of the independent investigative res response, I acknowledged everything that was in that report and I, uh, and although there are some sort of quite, uh, you know, fr phrases there about civility and the, the issue, I know what happened and I know that not, not everything was perfect. Uh, that was... And for where I, 
I take responsibility for that. Um, and that's why I felt the need to apologise, um, as I did. Um, I can absolutely reassure you, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for the people who, have, who are in the organisation, who have been here all along. Um, those who were very keen to stay and said, we're not going anywhere because we want to stay with you. I, I, I'm, I can give, the, I think you asked me for a reassurance that these, these were isolated events, is it? Um, a lot of what's been portrayed is kind of, other people have wanted to use it for various reasons. This, this, this is not going to happen again for the very reason, as I kind of alluded to earlier on, is that the structures that have been brought in by good governance, um, officers who are really kind of committed to the values that not only I talked about, the of Compassion Corporation Community, but actually the values that are within the, the, the combined authority of civil. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll have to read those off for you because civil comes along as collaboration, integrity, vision, innovation and leadership. Um, they very feel aligned. I, I, I can only say that I... It, it was a strange process in my life where I had to walk away um, with my health problems. It, it was in some ways quite a sudden thing. But leaving the organisation as I did uh, in the hands, of, the very competent hands of my deputy at the time, Councillor Anna Smith, and and then coming back three months later, the, the kind of... I walked in, it felt like a, a, a new organisation. I'd obviously been at a distance as I was recuperating from surgery. I was aware of what was going on and I was being updated. But it just felt, it was a, it was a break in the circumstances. And it also gave me an opportunity to kind of um, assess, you know, what it was. And interestingly, I mean, I was, you know, I was approached by many people. I think for all the right reasons, thinking, you know, should you come back? Are you, are you well enough to do this? You, you, and, and people said, you know, you could, you could walk away now and, and these problems, what, you, you, what I had to face, um, they could go away. You, you'll never have to deal with them, you know, whatever. But how can I say it? I think not only the stuff that I've had to deal with with the organisation between, I think, which were historical issues that were embedded within uh, challenges around how the combined authority was set up and then how it was run. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's still a story to come. In fact, I know there's a story to come, um, which will come out in the course of time. Uh, it doesn't, however, uh, it's not to, to take away from the apology that I meant. It was heartfelt. And um, just to reassure people, uh, I don't see that happening again. Not, and not, not when I'm in. And hopefully, not just hopefully, it has to be that, you know, going forward, it doesn't matter who comes and goes in terms of elected representative. The combined authority as an organisation is so much stronger now that where there are challenges around behaviours, around uh, be that from elected members or indeed officers, then actually there are systems within this organisation that would deal with those problems long before they came uh, more problematic. Would you have preferred it if the full report had been released? I... I, I I, I wouldn't have had a problem with that as, as, as such. Um, I was guided by the independent review. You know, it's, um, I, I, I know what happened. Um, I know what I you know, apologise for. I'm still here because I believe that I have every right to be here. And as I kind of alluded to, I don't think everything is completely finished uh, in terms of the, the kind of concerns that were 
being raised by me at the time about the organisation, and that's to that's to run on. Um, but in terms of you know the, what was kind of directed at myself, and indeed continues to be directed to by, by myself, um, I'm I'm happy with the, the situation as it now stands. But it was because I'm respectful of the actual independent investigation process, and that was what they came to. It wouldn't have bothered me either way. Do you feel that that period and the the report that has come out has damaged the reputation of the combined authority? I think it's more like to have... Well, actually, because the civility issue or, or the, the disrepute was specifically about me, so I think it's more on a personal level. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I have to take that, you know. Um, I hope not in terms of the combined authority. In fact, I think the whole process, hopefully, uh, if people were to take see it in the full fullness of its how could it, you know the chrono- chronology of it all if people are genuine and say right we're going to look at this how did it come to this let's look back over the whole of time i think actually although it's been very difficult for me on a personal level i think actually having an improvement board in having this having to invert and commas you know be very open about the challenges that the combined authority has had and being able to celebrate where we're going in a very positive direction I think it's good for the combined authority. I, however, have to, you know, I, you know, I, I appreciate that there are people who may, and, and I recognise it, see me differently now. But um, if they want to speak to me on a one-to-one basis rather than use social media, then I'm, I'm always happy to kind of go through that within the context of what I'm allowed to talk about. Now, obviously, there were those that called for your resignation after the report was released. Why did you feel that it was right that you didn't need to resign following those findings? I, well, I was, you know, <laughs> I've been asked to resign on many occasions. Um, if I felt that anything that I had done, um, I think it's, resignation is something that doesn't really happen in the world. That thing is, I think resignation is almost there is a certain. If you need to go, there is something very powerful about it, and, and, and you know, uh, dare I say it, there's a, almost a dignity that is lost in the society that we have now I, I'd like to think I'm the sort of person that if I'd done something which I think was worth um, was worthy of resigning I have the uh, I would have done it I um, I know what happened I have never felt that I needed to resign in fact if I had resigned or if indeed go back to the point I was trying to make if I'd used the cloak of my health to not return I would have been doing a great injustice to many people who continue to want better things not just for the combined authority but also want for the whole of the community of Cambridge and Peterborough and I am here because I believe I have every right to be as an elected uh, representative but also because I am still fighting the and standing up for the people against what I would say would be vested interests. No, there has been a change of leadership at Peterborough City Council in the last couple of months. Uh, I just want to go back to when you first started in your current role. You made Councillor Fitzgerald your deputy at the time. What was uh, behind that decision? <laughs> I, it, it was one of um, sort of genuine desire to try and do politics differently. Wayne, if I, Councillor Fitzgerald, um, there was an element of that, obviously, people maybe would have considered... Uh, that uh, at the time, uh, Councillor Lewis Herbert, the leader of and the only other Labour member, was being an obvious choice as a deputy. Um, he, to be honest, he made it very clear he had a passion around housing and wanted to take on a lead member role for housing. And I was very keen for him to do it. He kind of expressed that 
it might be a bit of a challenge to also do that and the deputy role. Um, I or you know, I there's no secret about this. I'm Councillor Bridget Smith, a Liberal Democrat, takes the lead member role in environment. Uh, my other deputy, current deputy, Lucy Nasinger, another Liberal Democrat, um, uh, takes the role around skills. I mean, the truth is, there's not a lot of members of Labour members. So, so when uh, Lewis wasn't available, it, there was a case of, well, who else wants to do something? It was, it wasn't so much offering up as Buggins' turn, but it was a kind of desire to show some sort of uh, difference and ability to do that. It's a shame that uh, Wayne, at a late stage, felt he wanted to align himself on more political levels, and he became part of a, a problem where he no longer had confidence in me um, he, and expressed that around, was it April or May uh, 2022? And then with that, it became... I was always a bit surprised when, he, when, he, when I actually rang him up and said, look, I'm sorry, I'm going to be taken away. He, he seemed genuinely surprised, but I said, well, if you don't have confidence in me, how can you be my deputy? So um, maybe he sees it differently, but um, I was uh, very lucky that then that's when Lewis did come and help and was very supportive through the most challenging times as we were you know, bringing in the improvement board. Um, and I can only say, I, I mean, I am a very, very, as well as, you know, I talked about how I came back in March last year. I was, I was, one of the reasons I had to come back was my then deputy, or my current deputy, Anna Smith, was doing such a good job, I thought they'll not want me back. So Anna, Anna had done such a good job and continues to do, uh, give a huge amount of value added without, you know, you know, uh, is that in continuing role. We, we, we're very lucky to have, in fact, the people of Cambridge and Peterborough are very lucky to have Anna Smith as my deputy. And I should also acknowledge that comes from a gr- an understanding and a willingness for the Cambridge City leader, Mike Davey, to kind of work as a three-way tripartite. And actually, strangely enough, let's be clear, that's three Labour people working together for the combined authority, working for people across the whole area. And uh, I think that's brought a real power and a real ambition in terms of sort of political uh, kind of delivery uh, to the combined authority. What was your relationship like with Councillor Fitzgerald back at the start? Positive. Very positive. You know, I, I just say, I think knowing now, interestingly, what Anna does as my deputy, and possibly because of that more closer link, because of the, 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 the politics are aligned, um, I hardly used him. I think there was only one occasion during the uh, summer of August 21 where we had a bit of a conversation saying, look, I'm going on holiday, will you cover things? I didn't really ask him to do much. And I would argue that was a mistake on my behalf because knowing what a good deputy can do, where you can double up. um, So um, I think it was in name only really for that first year. And I think it was more important as a kind of device to try and show a willingness to work together, which I think it worked for a while up until he chose to um, maybe see things differently. But yeah, no, I continues to be positive. Uh, I sent him, uh, uh, we, we, we do have occasional contacts. I have met him since his change in his circumstances at the City Council. And I can always, I feel I can always talk to him. Now, the new leader of PCC, Councillor Farouk, has talked about establishing a more positive and productive relationship with the combined authority. One listener has asked how you're finding working with Councillor Farouk as the new leader in comparison to Councillor Fitzgerald. Uh, Well, it already has improved. Uh, I I think there's a a kind of... A clear, and I and I would assume, uh, and obviously it's for for Farouk to uh, express this, but, you know, 
Farouk is the leader of Peterborough First. Maybe that's in the name. But actually, he's, a, he's the leader of an alliance, an alliance of Greens, Liberal Democrats, Independents, Peterborough First, and, of course, Labour. And I think he understands, like many leaders, I mean, we're sitting here in the offices of the Combined Authority, which is based in Huntingdonshire. I started off at Huntingdonshire, where I was one of four Labour representatives on the Council of 52, and it was a Conservative run. You know, this is the seat of John Major. Huntingdonshire District Council, Cambridgeshire County Council, all of them are alliances. You know, call it what you will, but it's that desire where people who are representatives, you know, and they've got their own strong, you know, focuses be they on labour policy, social justice, you know, uh, the environment, liberalism, you know, call it what you will, but a willingness that, dare I say, that it's not conservative, the, the, the kind of, the, the, the ruling class, the, the, the people who are always in power, who have been in power for the last however many 13 years, there is something to be said by working together to ensure that you have progressive politics. Now, I would, you know, when you have to work together, you have to make, you have to make allowances because in order to work together, you have to kind of, you're thinking, and I'm certainly doing that at the Combined Authority. I would argue that what's very telling around uh, Farouk's approach to me as the leader of Peterborough City Council, it's inclusive. I feel he really does represent Peterborough City rather than a kind of cohort of we're in charge, we're going to do it, which was the message that I kind of got from the representation in the past. It's my way or no way. I mean, it's interesting you say that because you recently went on a walkabout in the city with Councillor Farouk, after which you said, quote, it's very encouraging to be dealing with a council leader who puts their city first, who can see its vast potential, and who clearly understands how much can be achieved by being an effective member of the combined authority, end quote. Was that praise for Councillor Farouk, or was that barbed criticism of Councillor Fitzgerald? Or it, was praise, it was praise for <coughs> Councillor Farouk, but it was also a deliberately worded to kind of show that it's not just about Councillor Farouk, it's about what he represents in terms of the Peterborough City Council's willingness to work together across different parties. So all those elected councillors that are now part of the, the kind of working alliance that is City Council. I, I have to say, uh, and I, you know, I, I have to be mindful of things, but I, I, I've seen also in the interaction of my officers with the officers of Peterborough City Council, it's almost like a it's the, the scales coming from the eyes, the, the weight off the shoulder. It's just, it, there's a sense of, we can do good here, rather than a kind of defensive um, positioning. It's this sort of, what can we do together? What, what, what can we achieve? What, what, is, what is, you know, we have more in common than what, that, that what separates us, you know. And, you know, and um, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was, the words I chose were deliberate to kind of be enthusiastic not just about him as the leader but and his team, but it was about the the enthusiasm for what the current Peterborough City Council um, elected leadership across the, the whole of that political divider are, are trying to, to achieve. I'm very pleased. I think Peterborough is going to be in a very strong position going forward because of that. Now, another Peterborough politician who'd be fair to say that you don't see eye to eye with is MP Paul Bristow. I want to read some of his tweets to you. Can I just come in there? Yeah. I don't have a problem with Paul. I mean, he, 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 may, he tweets a lot more than I do, and he tweets about me. I don't think I've ever tweeted about him. 
So I, I, so I think you have to be careful about making assumptions. I, I'm happy to answer any questions. But yeah. So I want to read some of the, the tweets that he's uh, made, mainly about you, and get your response to them. The mayor got £198 million from the government, but may have to hand back over £70 million. It should have been used for warmer homes and lower bills in Peterborough. And then he followed up with, Cambridge residents are benefiting from home improvements, but Peterborough is not. There's ways you can present information. You know, I, I, there are things I, you know, I look at Paul. Um, I think I can call him Paul. Um, I, I admire about him. He, he's quite clearly uh, has a passion, you know, he, you know he, uh, about his family. And, stuff. And, and I think when I meet Paul on a kind of away from the political circus, on a, on a one-to-one, I see Paul Bristow as Paul Bristow. I, I, I obviously... Some people like being elected politicians. I think he likes being an MP. I'm sure you can ask him that question yourself. And I see a different side to him, which is makes it sometimes more difficult to kind of... I think there's a showmanship in what he wants to do, and, and maybe that's because he wants to show what he's doing for people. And I think that also comes out in by... I have to say, I've never done... Or I, Say never. I hope be careful with the word never. Uh, you know, you try not to do negative politics. Um, the issue he was highlighting there is goes back to uh, the, the central government program with the expectation of here's a lot of money uh, handed over to uh, local delivery arms to kind of improve retrofitting. Sounds like a great idea. Like many things, uh, as an idea that comes out of central government, indeed with funding, uh, there's here's the idea, here's the plan, and then actually the ability to actually execute it across the board is not always um, playing out because we know what's going on in the ground. It's fair to say that the initial challenge with some of those uh, retrofitting programmes, again, going back to what I said, uh, the working environment within the combined authority, and particularly with what's called the Greater South East Energy Hub, um, was, uh, was problematic. Uh, and we didn't, uh, whereas other parts of the country were more effective at trying to roll out those programmes. I think it's fair to say that no part of the country was able to spend all the money that they were given out. And interestingly, in more recent times, uh, because we declared, we, we went back to central government and said, um, and, and for the record, by the way, when I talk about the Greater South East Energy Hub, this is an area that covers places down in Kent. Things that we, It just so happened that we were the designated body that had to take responsibility for the staffing of it and, and running it through. So this was not something specific for the good people of Cambridgeshire and Peterborough, but but that that, that aside, that we, we, you know, we, if we were letting the people down of Kent, if we were letting down the people of Surrey, you know, that's not good enough. But we we um, again with the new officer team that came in, we recognised the problems. We declared that early to central government, and uh, we're now actually being rewarded because as this ongoing desire to improve retrofitting. We, the systems that we have got in place in terms of how we are delivering is better than the rest of the country. And so, we, so again, another example of how we've turned it around. I'm not sure Paul will tweet about that, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, kind of address it. Peterborough can be part of a new UK Silicon Valley. Our invisible Labour mayor needs the vision to build a fast rail link between Peterborough and Cambridge. The mayor needs to pull his finger out. It's time to share the wealth. This could be a super opportunity for Peterborough. I remember that one. Uh, so, I mean, you know, 
I, I disagree about the invisible. That's a, 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 a you know a, a, an easy kind of throwaway comment to make. Uh, I've been very keen to be represented, not just obviously Peterborough, but you know across the whole of the combined authority. And and I think in terms of my willingness to be out and about, I'd absolutely uh, challenge that. He's right in terms of we need to improve connectivity between the two cities. Uh, well, we've got three cities in Cambridgeshire. Obviously, Ely um, is a city as well. And uh, interestingly, Ely, um, although it's a very different type of city, it does um, play a very important role in, in, the, in the actual answer to your question because um, at Ely Junction, something which I have championed and was very pleased to see that rather as other mayors around the country were tearing their hair out at the announcement about HS2, a decision that actually investment would be finally made. You know, and there was a lot of lobbying going on, not just from the Combined Authority, but from many, many uh, representatives across the whole of East of England about the importance of improving the capacity that allows trains to flow through the Ely Junction, which is a, a pinch point on a sort of Victorian uh, rail network. Um, once those, you know, uh, improvements are made, and they are half a billion, which I'm sure will just get bigger and bigger, there's an opportunity to increase the frequency of rail moving between Peterborough and Cambridge, and not as as well as all the benefits about moving more freight off the roads, taking reducing congestion on our uh, busy highways, and uh, helping challenges and bringing down, you know, moving towards net carbon zero targets but the idea that increased rail frequency through um, Cambridge and Peterborough is very much within the uh, touching distance and I would say I can't make too many announcements about this but you know watch out watch out for what we're going to achieve in terms of the combined authority is very much at the forefront of the um, the leveling up fund uh, with the station quarter development and what we have we have some really big ambitions of what we want to deliver in conjunction with the city council for that area of the city the development working and how it moves into the kind of uh, deve- other developments that are around the city but particularly around connectivity through Peterborough it's, a, it's an interesting uh, it's a railway town Peterborough is a railway town never forget that uh, railway city sorry um, east to west connectivity north to south let's be ambitious and I, I, I can't say any more because you know one of those things is that when you're in the role as a mayor, you get approached by a lot of ideas who sometimes people want to sell you all sorts of thoughts and ideas, but there's things that we want to move on, particularly around rail connectivity, and, and we're more than ambitious. But I think with delivery of the improvements in the Ely Junction, improved frequency of travel between that, um, those two cities, it'll happen. Please ask me another. So I've got one more. I have many fond memories of going to the regional pool as a child. It's where I learnt to swim. The council either needs to put up the money and we may do amend until another pool comes along or it needs to lobby the mayor of Cambridgeshire who has buckets full of money. Uh, there's, there's so much I could unpack on that. Uh, but, but without being able to say, say here and now that the combined authority... Uh, it, it, is of, it is of note that um, in the past where we've had opportunities to bid into levelling up funds, um, I think, again, Paul doesn't mention this, is that there was a time, uh, and I remember it clearly, where we at the Combined Authority had... uh, Another MP, Shailish Farah. We had another. We had Paul Bristow. And leveling up funding, you can only um, bid into if you were a certain uh, qualified and been of certain area. It was all to do with uh, social demographics, and and in this area, it's been around Fenland and it's been around Peterborough uh, areas that are traditionally have, have struggled around things. So so they qualify to bid into the process. Um, 
when we were working on the levelling up fund bid, which actually helped deliver you know, the improvements around um, not only the university, but also the uh, station quarter, one of the competing bids at the time was a levelling up fund to, to deliver improvements in the, uh, in, in the pool. Um, unfortunately, uh, well, I could say, Paul knows that he won and Shailish didn't. So, you know, it, it, to, 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 on, a, on a very practical note, though, I, I, I would say as a mayor, one of the mayoral priorities is, in fact, it's just behind you as we sit here in the office, is that I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely wedded to a mayoral priority that we should be tackling health inequalities. Um, now, health inequalities are, you think, well, is that the responsibility of the NHS? It, well, no, you know, preventative medicine, the, the, the idea that you can improve physical and mental health by improving housing, by improving the access to uh, exercise, opportunities to active travel, you know, by that is a form of uh, prevention of obesity. By engaging people and giving them the opportunities, be they the, 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 the facilities, be they swimming pools, be they running tracks, be they safe walking places where people are being active, I think that's at the heart of good political decision making and I and, and absolutely in, within the combined authority I would work with any organisation Peterborough City Council local MPs if if kind of the proposals that are coming forward you know from a bottom up saying this is the most important thing that we want to do because we want to not only kind of invest in the local area, but we want to invest in good health and if that was part of a bigger picture yeah I'd, I'd love to see that. Let's move on to the activities of the organisation that you head up. The Cambridgeshire and Peterborough Confined Authority was founded in 2017. So can you give us the two-minute pitch as to why it's a positive addition for the people of Peterborough? The success of the Combined Authority is all about making devolution work. And devolution means that the people who are currently in Peterborough, in Dogsthorpe, or it doesn't matter if you're in Dogsthorpe and then you're, you're linked to the Fens area or South Cambridgeshire, what you need to feel is that in conjunction with the people you've you know, elected as your city councillors, your district councillors, there's a sort of strategic purpose to what you can achieve. And where you're given the money from central government in the form of what we call the, the gain share payments that were set up in 2017, is that there is something that can be delivered above and beyond what traditionally would be delivered by your local city council or district council. The example being, I don't think the com- um, Peterborough would currently see a university if it hadn't had the combined authority. You know, in East Cambridgeshire, you know, and it was, you know, I'll give a shout out to the previous mayor. He pushed very heavily for his own area, East Cambridgeshire and District Council. You know, delivered a, a you know a Soham train station. We we're going to see that also with Cambridge South, and hopefully in the future, Alconbury here in Huntingdonshire. There are some projects that are so big that are so challenging that they're not within the ability of a local city council, of or a district council or indeed a county council, to benefit from. But by having a process of collaboration and working together, so it doesn't matter that you spend most of your working days and your social life in Peterborough, you're actually, the fact that there are improvements happening around Cambridgeshire, it's a good thing. This goes back to another mayoral priority. The the idea, you know, you asked me at the start, I'm, I'm very proud of my northern roots, you know, be it, be it around football teams, be it about you know my softened accent, be it around the kind of 
environment that I grew in, grew up in, and, and, and roots that I have into that. I, it helps in four. I'm proud of where I come from, but I'm damn proud to come from Cambridge and Peterborough. And, and I sometimes wonder, and I say it with my own children, about the sense of identity that people have if they're born and brought up, or indeed if they move to this area. I, 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 should, I talk about, um, I have a fondness for Peterborough train station because going, when I was a teenager in my 20s, backwards and forwards up um, on the train, you know, Peterborough is the last station before um, coming into King's Cross, or it was, still is. And I used to remember Peterborough. All oh, right, I remember Peterborough now. And then between Peterborough and particularly sort of the Huntingtonshire, I used to look out and say, what, what's this area? It's so flat, you know, whatever. And, and I didn't have any kind of connection with it. Now, through my medical career and working with the, in the communities around Huntingtonshire and into the Fens and, you know, and, and, and further afield, and then also kind of beginning to understand the, the accents, because they are there, the Fen accent, you know, the, 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 the history, the uniqueness of this area. I, I, I get so frustrated when I think, can't you see how great this area is? And that also, I have to say, it's about Peterborough City. You know, you know I've, I look at the kind of the, how it's structured, the, and a lot of people, obviously, you focus a little bit on the, 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 the cathedral, but, you know, you've also got the Guildhall in the middle. The, there's a kind of playfulness I like about Peterborough. And very much I've found in more recent times the desire to have a kind of city of culture and work with some of the kind of movers and the shakers. I could name them now, and they know who they are if they listen to it. I want to work with you to kind of deliver that city kind of ambition, that city idea, you know, the Neen, Neen Park, you know, some of the kind of, you know, when you go out to the, you know, Flag Fen, you know, I, I just, I'm blown away by these things. And, and, I'm, and I'm a stranger here still, but I just, I keep sucking in and I'm very lucky that I have a job that takes me all over the place. My medical job did to a degree, but being a mayor and being able to kind of meet people and wander around and, and, and kind of pick up that kind of richness. I, I think it's particularly true in Peterborough, I have to say. And, 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 and just if we could harness that sense of pride, you know, pride, not just in a small town, a small city, you know, big city, whatever, but that it, it's something, if you could mirror, you know, what has happened in Greater Manchester. You know, if you, if you in Greater Manchester, for instance, um, if you come from Salford, if you come from uh, sort of Wigan area, you know, all of them, you, you're still from those, these areas, but you realise there's some benefit by being part of Greater Manchester. Likewise, you know, the West Midlands. People say, well, I'm from Birmingham, I'm from, you know, I'm from West Bromwich, whatever. But they talk about the West Midlands, and it, you kind of, yeah, you have, t- t- your football teams are rivals, but there's something about, yeah, I'm from West Midlands, though, you know, Maybe people don't get it. I, it, it. It's not a natural fit, I have to say. I mean, if you look at the, the history in the past of sort of Cambridge and Peterborough, how it's been cobbled together. You know, we used to have Huntingdonshire, Rutland, they, all these kind of, they all kind of come together. But I think if I could be part of that, bringing people together, I think there's something really strong in that message. Now, one year ago, I had ARU Peterborough Principal Ross Renton on the podcast to discuss the university, which had only opened its doors four months prior at that point. As you said, the combined authority played a big role in finally getting it off the ground after it had been talked about Mm. for decades. Mm. How big a difference do you think it's made to the city already? Um, What difference will it make over the next decade? It's probably the most defining and important 
development, certainly over the last, uh, certainly over the tenure of the combined authority, and I think it will have huge impact. Um, I would add that the ambition hasn't stopped with delivering the buildings that are currently, you know, and still being built. I think talk about working with external investors, working with other partners, particularly focusing along with other colleges within the area as well, you know, about the opportunity for a manufacturing hub around green technology. It's something that is very much at the heart of a um, a Labour government policy going into an election year. So I I would argue that alongside um, prospective parliamentary candidate Andrew Pakes and the, the desire and the messaging that we get trying to get in to a, uh, I mean, I, I, I hope beg, beg, hope you'll beg my forgiveness, hopefully a government in waiting, a, a shadow cabinet, Rachel Reeves and the team say, you know, this is the place to come to, you know, Peterborough. And, and I think the example of what's been achieved so far, particularly with the work that's been, you know, really driven by Ross and his team and ARU and they've had a lot of successes this year they've got a, had a lot of re- rewards um, as you know as a as a, um, as a university which actually covers not just Peterborough but obviously covers the wider east of England I, I think yeah if, if the p- good people of uh, Peterborough haven't done it already they should really should begin to realise that getting behind the success of the Peterborough ARU uh, campus delivery, the the kids, sorry, kids, the students that are going there, and because actually that's a good thing because it's open to everyone, you know, lifetime learning and all that. It's it's always an opportunity, and I I'm very clear that what's on offer there is is, is very much curated with the idea of delivering for not just the the good people of Peterborough, but for the the, the surrounding area extending out into the sort of areas like Wisbeach and March and. I mean, there's a job for us to do with the combined authority to make sure that improve connectivity, bringing people in, making it easier for people to access that um, opportunity. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't be more enthusiastic about it, and uh, it has my full and wholesome support in terms of its ambition of where it wants to go going moving forward. Now, as you mentioned earlier, the station quarter was awarded government funding of forty-eight million pounds following a joint bid from the combined authority and the city council. How much difference do you think that will actually make to the city to get that area redeveloped? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we've spoken about it already. I think there's there's more to come. I think, you know, once you've kind of got that sort of level of funding uh, committed through central government coming in and for delivery through devolved means and the combined authority working in with the city council, I think that's very attractive to further inward investment. Um, I think there's... It was very much helped. I mean, I mean, as I said, I do know Peterborough train station quite well, and and I've been very much watching, kind of as that investment has has been bid for, you know. But I think going around to to reiterate the point, you I you know, going around with Councillor Farouk uh, Mohammed and and just sort of looking at how the connectivity of if you've got real proper investment and and, and creative investment, not just blocks you know thinking about how do we do things differently and we do it with the environment in mind do it with a do it with in mind that we want to encourage active travel and try and the the reliance on you know um, car travel and we have improved public transport networks moving through that so people can move in and out I, I mean there's so much that can be achieved there and I think as long as it's done with good governance 
very much uh, in the public eye so that people can challenge, you know, and say, well, is that value for money? Who, who's, who's benefiting here? Is it the, is it the local community? I mean, there's other, there's other stuff around uh, what we want to try and achieve in um, the bus depot in, uh, in, in Peterborough moving, you know, and trying to electrify the feet so that helps reduce uh, CO2 output and just the kind of ambition. It, it's there. So um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. I get really quite excited and, and, it, and it really does feel that it's been, the door has opened. It's, the, the, we've been working and things have been delivered over the last few years but actually not half as much as we could have done did the big check annoy you at all no doesn't bother I, you I, um I, I i i as that played out uh, i i think it would cause more problems for other people than some people engage in these things i don't but no so i've got one more tweet uh, from Paul Booster that i'd like to put to you um, the new independent council have signed up to the Labour Mayor's plan for congestion charging in Peterborough. This secret plan... Uh, uh, can I interrupt there? Because the tw- is is tw- that, that's, that's just not true. Let, let me oh, finish right, it sorry, and, sorry, then, sorry. and then you can respond. Okay, fine. This secret plan says fiscal measures demand management and generate revenue. Labour must think people from Peterborough are stupid. Now, this is in reference to the Combined Authorities Local Transport Plan, which was vetoed twice by former leader, <laughs> Councillor Fitzgerald, but since signed off on by Councillor Farouk. So let me put it to you as a yeah. direct question. Do you want to see Peterborough introduce some form of road charging? I've, I've been asked that question before, and I've said it wouldn't be for me anyway, but I don't see there's ever a time that congestion charge is going to be in, introduced in Peterborough. It's, it's, it's not... It, it doesn't fit with any plans that I've ever heard from any of the uh, current elected representatives that they want to do it. So, you know, ultimately, as I think was made clear at the time, um, because Peterborough City Council has a very important role at the Combined Authority as it's part, has a, a highway authority role, if it doesn't have the support of the people of elected representatives of Peterborough, then it'll never get through. I am not aware of any of the elected representatives of the current Peterborough First who said they want to introduce it. So it's, it's not something that I would plan for, and I don't believe it's anything that else is planned for. I think it's, it was, you know what, I can reflect on that. And I think it was a bit of, what's it called, a, a straw man type? You know, the, it was something that was being used to some extent by uh, the former leader and uh, current MP as a kind of rallying call. A bit, I think it was, you know, it followed on to the back of the success that the Conservatives, or the perception of success, in terms of holding on to the, the, the um, Uxbridge. Hillinger, Uxbridge by-election uh, seat on, on the grounds that um, Sadiq Khan wanted to introduce uh, an ultra-low emission zone. And and I think they felt, well, these are the sorts of things that we can motivate people to vote for us on. And I think, ironically, although there had obviously been the, for quite a while, the Conservative group had been in a minority administration, but they'd been working along, the, the determination to try and make political capital and to buy something into it, it actually forged... Uh, I, I got the impression that the various opposition councillors at the time were, were, were somewhat annoyed by it, that he said, well, but you're misrepresenting, 
you know, the way. So, and I think it, it almost like forced them to work together to say, well, if we can work together on this to kind of to actually, to, what's the word, to kind of clarify the point, then I think it kind of then led into a situation where it says, well, if we can work on this, why don't we try and work on other good things moving forward? Yeah, there's, there's lots I could say about, you know, pros and cons around congestion charge in different parts of the, uh, you know, you could look back on, I, I, I believe uh, you know, in the past, uh, conservative mayors have been involved in introducing congestion charging and ULEZs in other parts of the country. Um, you know, the benefits of improved air quality, I speak as a doctor, are, uh, are, 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 th- are there to be seen. Uh, and uh, and both on an anecdotal basis, but also I think beginning to see in some of the evidence uh, in other parts, not just of the UK, but across the world. But anything uh, of such a, a nature, it needs you know very clear local support. You know, you need people to understand why they're paying for um, you know access to areas where they previously maybe felt they should. But I I don't see that happening, Peter, soon. Now, the combined authority has a target to cut car usage in the region by 15%. How is this squared with big road schemes underway in Peterborough currently? Uh, well, those road schemes, most of them, I mean, it's fair to say on paper, you know, with a, from a mayoral point of view, I, I could, could have blocked them. You know, and 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 there's some truth in the old adage, you know, you build more roads, it just creates more traffic. I, I, I do understand that i i think there are pragmatic decisions that sometimes have to be made and in terms of what was required in peterborough the improvements around that junction better flow of traffic means less holding up traffic which in itself can improve air quality if cars are moving but but generally i think um the ambition around the 15 percent reduction um you know by focusing more on uh issues around and encouraging people to take up active travel opportunities and let's be clear you know if you can um if you have a reliable and you know the, the most obvious one a reliable affordable safe friendly bus service not just in your city but across the whole of the area you know if you can and, and particularly if the mayor which he is doing subsidizing fares for under 25s uh, going forward you know if you can save having to, you know, fill up your car as much, or indeed, if you're a two, three car family, you only have two cars. I've got a car. I need. I use a car. Need to use a car, but I would really, really like to be able to use, and I do, use more public transport because it makes. I enjoy it. It's good for the environment, but it's, it, it's not. But if it's not there as a reliable uh, resource, and you and the time you need to get to work, we we at the Combine Authority have to work on that. So, I, I think it's a challenge. Uh, different parts of the Combine Authority area, uh, it's easier to reduce car usage than others. Uh, I absolutely recognise that that's very different for different parts of the area. So we have to be uh, innovative. We have to be clever in what we are offering up as a. Um, for the good people of the area i mean and let's be clear interestingly um the world has changed through post-covid uh socializing you know you, you now realize that the, the commutes that people once did are, are different or not as frequent and interestingly when we look at the evidence around the use of public transport for social that really has increased so i i think there's a lot of opportunity if we are work with our elected representatives from all areas, 
down the council level, parish council level. I mean, I'm really delighted to talk about in Peterborough the work that we've done with the people of Wittering and Craster. They know they they recognise that, and as a group, as a community, they came together working with their um, some of the Peterborough First team. Have kind of we're on board with that, and we're reintroducing bus routes in that area because it was clear that they were underserved. And you know, and, and I you know, likewise, I can think about there are buses in the Fenlands area, which are subsidised, but because we've got behind them, the community are using them more. And, and it's not just the fact that some people will be saving money and they've got access to better and more reliable public transport. That also has knock-on effects about reduced um, social isolation, getting people out and about. People are not, you know, sitting at home. They're going out to shop rather than, you know, and, and then also getting to job opportunities and employment opportunities. As you say, I'm, I try to look at things with a cup's half full. Now, last year saw you take the decision to introduce the mayoral precept of, on average, £12 to go towards the county's buses. This year, that cost will triple to £36. Is that the right thing to do when we're still in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis? So, all right, a very important question. I have to be mindful that these sorts of, that there's obviously an ongoing consultation. So I, I, I really, in answering this question, I, I want to be clear that as part of a consultation, you know, I'm still in listening mode. The, the proposal as it's been put out is uh, costed on the grounds that uh, the, the £12 mayoral precept, which actually, I, I wasn't around, but I was obviously aware that it was going to be introduced, was very much on the back of what we saw by the um, circumstances of a withdrawal of large numbers of, you know, an operator decided that they didn't want to continue operating things. And we we came in. I was delighted that other operators were willing to offer up and a willingness to kind of come into the rich mix uh, of Cambridge and Peterborough to help and support local communities so that important uh, bus services, you know, lifelines for connectivity around health appointments schools education you know employment were maintained and so we were very much to some extent on the back foot then and that's why we had to kind of it was 12 pound was introduced for bandy property so a pound a pound a month then um just to save and to kind of but i think it also acted as a almost like a stepping stone into kind of demonstrating that the combined authority had an important role about um delivering you know and moving on with the ambition of improving public transport and uh particularly around the bus network i think alongside if we if we with the proposals that were being put forward alongside the ambitions that we have about extending the bus network you know more opportunities you know i i can understand people being frustrated but i don't have a bus coming why should i spend more money if i don't even have a bus so well you know that's what the consultation not just about the, uh, the the preset, but also about the bus network is. It's that well. Tell us where those gaps in the services are. There's there's so much historical guff that's been left over from previous administrations and and just historical. This we've always done it this way. We're challenging that and saying if it's not value for money and if it doesn't really have social value, then well, no, we, we won't continue with them. But at the same time, we want to see if you need more frequent services, be it start of the day, end of the night, at the weekends. Let us know. We're in listening mode, you know, and we've got the team and we're building that team up. It doesn't take away from the um, the challenge of any increased expenditure for any family. It's not welcome. But at the same time, the very people who tend to use buses are often some of the people who have the least 
uh, money, you know, they're, they're young and you know, they're, they're people who often, and so with, add that to the kind of subsidising affairs, you know, people may well find that actually if you embrace it, yes, and some people will be paying on a bill uh, an enhanced amount of money, you know, £10, sorry, not £10, 10 per year day extra, well, actually, if you're then saving that on bus fares because you're then engaging with that, there's a real benefit there. It, it, hopefully, it's, it's a narrative. And these nuances don't come across in tweets. They don't come across in necessarily very easily in press releases. Hopefully, they come across in the way that, <laughs> in the way that I'm speaking about. I'm, I'm absolutely... I recognise the challenges for all family. I, I see that on a weekly basis when I still work as a doctor, the challenges that people are facing around putting food on the table. We could talk nationally about the politics and I, would, I could wax lyrical about you know, how I feel that we've been underserved by the current government. We'll leave that to the side, but just say we're all dealing with the fallout of a cost of living crisis and challenges. And I have no real desire to make it more difficult for anybody, but I also need to feel that I'm supporting and designing improvements to what I have control of, which would be the betterment and a fairer way of spending the money and, and taking responsibility for the role I have. Now, Cambridge recently saw the delivery of 30 fully electric buses, while Peterborough is still yet to see a single one introduced as there's nowhere for them to be charged. What is the status on getting a new bus depot that allows this change to happen? And what are you doing to drive that forward? Yeah, well... Uh, Interestingly, that, that, that came out of the kind of uh, the second pushback from the previous leader in terms of as we were trying to move along with the local transport and connectivity plan as a sort of an update to previous documents, we were very clear that in that in our new document we have a very ambitious expectation of working with the Peterborough City Council and have already put, I think it's a quarter of a million pounds into the kind of uh, ongoing work that needs to be done in, in, in kind of sourcing and identifying. Some of it's not just about where you would put said bus depot. It's also about what you then can do. What are the, what's the value added? Can you design a bus depot that would be the other electrical vehicles owned by the Peterborough City Council? would use you know do you then design uh, a, a you know a bigger facility also if you've got an electric bus depot there are some operators who are obviously have more buses than others but it should have access to all you know not just one singular operator and so there's huge kind of chance and another big thing which maybe i'm sure most people wouldn't really realize is that in the same way that this area has real challenges around water resource management, particularly in the south of the area, we also have a real problem about getting uh, new developments. So they can be housing developments, new businesses, but certainly um, new bus depots in, linked into the uh, power network. Um, you start plugging in and pulling off a huge uh, voltage on 30, 40 new electric buses, which we are, um, you know, through the kind of the Zebra funding process, we would hopefully be doing very soon as part of our ongoing commitment to deliver electrification of the fleet. We are committed to it, just to, again, reassure that, you know, as a Labour mayor, I want to see electric buses in Peterborough. It's not... You, it's, but it's no good getting the buses and then actually you then um, take down the whole of, uh, of Dogthorpe, you take down Central, you take down all the various areas because you're pulling off enough electric power that nobody can actually boil a kettle. 
One common complaint about Peterborough is that it isn't particularly friendly to those with disabilities. What can the combined authority do to change and improve this? Oh, that's a good question. It has come up. I I, I wouldn't say it's one that's specific to Peterborough. I think sometimes uh, that part of society is often uh, forgotten about, negated, and that doesn't always, you know, you can go back to the sort of the campaigning zeal of advocates for the disabled community as far back as the 80s. And, you know, yes, there has been improvements, but they can always go further. Um, we have done work at the Combined Authorities. We've done summits around it about, I've actually been down to London many and have spoken uh, passionately around the challenges about how to improve uh, access to all facilities, be it in Peterborough City Centre or uh, all areas, not just the shops, you know, but it's the education opportunities and social opportunities. And, you know, and it's not just about, you know, the use of uh, wheelchairs. It's also about visual impairment, hearing impairment, and also understanding, you know, those who have, you know, neurodiversity and understanding that certain environments. I, I'm fascinated by how you can design areas that are essentially dementia-friendly. You know, that, you know it's, it's about putting it on the table that this is we, we, we only want the best we don't just want kind of soulless development which kind of delivers in terms of a profit for someone longer the line but we don't actually see the real meaningful improvement and and they are out there you know um I, you see it in how the awards that are given to what's good we, we, need, we need to push for the best need to insist on the best um i don't have final decision about any planning around that i don't um have a, a, a what's on offer at the city council is obviously much remit within peterborough city council all i would say is that mayoral priorities and i've mentioned them at the start i've probably not said them enough for normal that the idea of compassion cooperation community if you really care and you listen and you really go out of your way to have feedback when you go through a consultation from everybody from people who don't and you and it's not just kind of putting it out there on a website and stuff it's 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 kind of meaningful going into the communities and and speaking to the right people the representatives getting getting your hands dirty into and hearing what you don't want to hear sometimes then i've always said it if people recognize and if people see that you genuinely care if you're compassionate they want to work with you you know, I see that in my, my role as a doctor. They want to, you know, as a, as, a, as a compassionate medic, the people you're who are in front of you, they 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 recognise that and they want to go on that journey. They they want to get better themselves, but they but they also want to almost be get better themselves to make you the doctor, the the nurse, the radiologist, the, the you know the physio. They they want you to be part of that journey, and 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 I see that in, as as to how we should be approaching politics both certainly at a local level, and I wish it would take a bit more of it on at a national level. Now, as always, we'd like to finish the podcast with some quick-fire questions. Oh, right, okay. What's one thing you would change about politics? I, I, I think there's an easy tendency, I think I've alluded to it in, in how I, you know, working with certain characters, is that to put a show on, just be genuine you know I, I think you know that be that kind of person in dealing with your constituents in with I think it's that I, I have to be careful here because I was often told one of the mistakes maybe I made at the start that when I walked into the role I was I was still trying to be Dr Nick 
are supposed to be a mayor. Now, you have, there are times you have to be a mayor, and there are times you have to be a member of parliament. There are times you have to be a councillor. But I think those councillors, those mayors, those MPs that really are successful and are most respected are the ones who allow a, a sort of a genuineness to come through in their interactions. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I have a, I have a, a kind of default position. Just what, 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 what would my mother say? You know, you know, am I being compassionate here? You know, you know, it's, you know, would my dad be proud of what I'm doing now? And, and, and because that's a driving force in the way that, you know, in most, many people's life, I think, uh, uh, you know, being genuine. You can be genuine and have really quite strong right-wing views. You can be genuine and have very strong left-wing views. But just be genuine. And I think that would be my observation. Tell us something that people might not know about you. Oh, I, 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 there's so many things I could say. I, I, I could say I, I've, I've met some very interesting people in my time. Um, oh, I know. I, I, a classic one is that uh, I'm, I'm good friends with the cinnamon uh, from The Chase. I went to medical school with Paul Sinner, and uh, I still keep in regular contact with him. He's a fantastic quizzer. Uh, he's a man of huge knowledge. Uh, I enjoyed going to his wedding with Ollie, and uh, I think I went to the best medical school ever, St. George's. And I was, I was at St. George's at the same time as Harry Hill, whose his real name is Matthew Hall. It's not to say that anybody who went to St. George's is a joker and thing is, but... Um, uh, yeah, I, you, people may know that I went to medical school at St. George's. May, they may not know that it's actually the best medical school in the whole of the world. And I think it was going to that medical school, leaving the northeast, and uh, and, and experienced London and all the challenges in the in the late eighties. And uh, I think it probably helped me be the, the, the sort of the person I am now. And the reason I chose I went to St. George's because in the in the eighties I was a great fan of Citizen Smith and Tooting Popular Front. And for those who really want to know, I used to walk around Tooting wearing a T-shirt with a Tooting Popular Front. First past the post, proportional representation, or something else. I, I'm a, a fan of some form of pr- proportional representation. What's been your biggest success as mayor to date? I think, to some extent, surviving. Uh, and and I think turning things around here at the combined authority, I think my biggest success is still to come with the improvements in the bus network. What change would you make to the combined authority? Uh, well, I've, I've, I've got to be mindful, again, of you know, knowing that people will listen in. Uh, th- there are more changes potentially afoot. There's a real opportunity. Uh, Michael Gove, uh, the Department of Leveling Up, has talked about how we can move the devolution model on further. Um, I've alluded to the two Andes, Andy Street and Andy Burnham, around trailblazing. There's some real good stuff that I'd love to see around um, opportunities where actually raising local um so business rates retention would be literally is everything that some of the metro mayors have that we don't have here i would love to see that and by working closer i mean we do have the business board and we have great representation with the chair of the business board you must get him in al kingsley by the way if you, um, i'll introduce you um and kind of that would be great but i the real passion for me and again it links i've actually think i've gone through them all now in terms of uh, mayoral priorities is i've always said that uh, a closer working with the integrated care system of cambridge and peterborough and particularly with the public health team in terms of adapting 
uh, cross-working between our organisation, public health, uh, sort of the, uh, the integrated care system. And, and, and if I could kind of find an easy way where people, when they're confronted by... I, I, I'll give you an example. I, I, when I came back after I'd been away, I was delighted to catch up with my team, the transport team, and they, they basically said, hello, Mayor, Dr Nick, uh, you're back. This is what we're all doing. And, they, and, I, and most of them I knew who then, there's a few new people. And they, they gave me this whole list of things that they, they went. And I was delighted. And at the end, I did that kind of almost joking, dead face. I said, I'm delighted, but I'm disappointed. And, uh, and, and I, kind of, I can see they were looking at it. I said, I'm disappointed because actually all of you have just given me a fantastic um, kind of delivery of what you've achieved and what we're going to do. But none of you, uh, on this occasion, because normally they would, um, you've not talked about how that's going to improve the public health so, you know, be it around active travel, we're now, this is what we're doing, which means that more people are cycling and whatever. And we, we're doing this, this is improving the air quality. I says, that's how I want you to think. That's how I want not just you to think. I want you to think when you s- sit down with the city councillors at Peterborough, the county councillors, when we're designing new neighbourhoods, when we're designing opportunities, when we're looking at trying to get business investment, when we're saying every time, thinking, what are we doing? The truth is, is not a million miles away from here, we're in Huntington, is I, I know full damn well all my colleagues who work a lot harder than me in the NHS are struggling in the NHS. We can't just fix the NHS by throwing more money. We need an awful lot more investment, I do say that. But we also have to work on prevention. And prevention is individual, but it's also systemic. And it's kind of, we can be working in conjunction with education. We can work in conjunction with prison officers. We can work in conjunction with local government and make sure that we design healthy societies. And that's all I want to do. So that, sorry, is a very long-winded answer, but that you probably would expect from a medic. Will Peterborough ever see trams return to its streets? Uh, (laughs) You know what? Um, It's not beyond the the, the wit of a very good LTCP. It's not currently in what we are proposing. So I I, I wouldn't say uh, it would happen in the very near future. I would suggest that there has been some very interesting innovation about almost like trackless trams, uh, there's some really good stuff around autonomous vehicles. Uh, you know, I, I know that's quite, probably quite a loaded comment, knowing about how in the past some suggestions of them were talked about in Cambridge, and we could talk ad nauseum about how we would take on the challenges of the Cambridge city. Peter, Peter was an interesting one because of the way it was designed as a modern city. You know, there's there's a lot that already is in place, which is quite good. You know, the the kind of the green connectivity, and, and, and but it's a lot that could still be improved. I think we need to to kind of bottom out kind of routes which would work, you know, you know, in terms of how connectivity, north, south, east to west. I, I would never rule it out. Um, I, I think, and if it was certainly something that the current administration or indeed future administrations were saying, this is how we see it. And if, it, you know, like many things in life, the business case was stacking up, then why wouldn't we do it? I think the opportunity will come with, I think, further innovation. And if we look at stuff around uh, further development around AI, AI technology, autonomous vehicles, the ability to be an exemplar for the area, 
I, I wouldn't rule it out. I'd love to see it, you know, I, I, but I'm not necessarily, much as though I want to continue being the mayor for a, as long as, you know, Cambridge and Peterborough residents will have me. I don't think it will happen in the immediate future, but I would love to be part of, I'd be, I would love to be part of a group working towards that. Finally, what is Peterborough's biggest selling point? I think, ah, well, see, I think its biggest selling point at the moment is its potential. Yeah, that, that's it. Peterborough is potential. And I think the maybe the challenge, but also the difficulty, is there is a, a sometimes, you know, born within residents as well, that nothing, you know, nothing good will ever come of this. You know, nothing uh, is, you know, we've been let down many, many times before. That can be different political persuasions, whatever. I think if and when the real potential, and, and it's potential that's born out of compassion. It's a potential born out of a willingness to cooperate. And it's a potential of the community. So there you are, the three Cs. Three Cs working with a P. You know, there you are. Potential of Peterborough is all about three Cs. And that's how I see it. And as long as I'm in this role, I'll be, you know, banging the drum absolutely, resolutely. Not, well, I will be, you know, for Peterborough. I mean, I, I have to do it for everywhere, but I can see, and already am, and as I say, I've kind of alluded to it early on and stuff around the potential for development in the, uh, the, the station quarter. I have been at the forefront of kind of saying, just, just think about Peterborough. Just think about what can be achieved there. And I think... Working with those on the ground, the officers, the elected members, and working with the continuing to work with the team within the combined authority potential. Because when you see, if you can go from a low base, if it's what's perceived as a low base, and then you can get real kind of success, people like to back winners. And I think Peterborough's a winner. Just we need to kind of work on it. And we need to keep banging that drum time and time again. Mayor Dr Nick Johnson, thank you for joining me on The Politics of Peterborough. Thank you. And that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Dr Nick for joining me. You can follow him on X at Nick Johnson CA. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you get each episode as soon as it's released. You can find the podcast on X and Facebook at PoliticsPBORO. Please let me know what you thought of the episode. If you have any suggestions as to who you'd like to hear on the show or any questions you'd like me to put to my guests, you can email me at politics.peterborough at hotmail.com. This episode of The Politics of Peterborough was created, hosted, recorded and edited by me. I'll see you next time. <laughs>